0: welcome to when lands of the podcast you're here again with aaron and dale hello how you doing dale how's things
1: good tired but good
0: feels like it's been a while since we recorded yeah it you is has
1: yep it's been longer than usual
0: <laughs> yeah I feel like this whole, like, everyone's coming out of lockdown, and now everyone's getting sick again.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It has happened. We've had cold going around in the house.
0: It's sort of like, yeah. I don't know if it's the same as your house, but I feel like kids are like the worst sickness magnets. Oh,
1: Wesley, bro,
0: 100%. Wesley got sick, and then next minute, I'm like, this is not going to be good. And then we were all sick, and yeah. now he's all better <laughs> running around, and you've got no energy, You're like, trying to chase after these kids. who've like
1: full of energy now. Yeah, my oldest one's always like he'll get a cold, but never hits him. He's never like crook. Yeah. Everyone else is walking around like oh stuffy, stuffy, you know. <laughs> but he's just good to go.
0: Uh, anyway, we survived and we're back. Um, <laughs> so yeah, today, what are we talking about today,
1: Dale? Uh, just a, just a review, really, on the series and a bit of a recap.
0: So it's, always, talk-
1: it's, a, it's you know there's so many different topics. I don't know how we're going to manage this, <laughs> but
0: <laughs> we'll just we'll just talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we've been talking about uh, this whole idea of like what if, and we've we've gone through like heaps of topics. So you know we we probably won't touch all of them, but I guess yeah today we're sort of digging into I guess what we thought about the. The conversations we've had, and and exploring that idea that sort of come through the moors, you know, what if we had the courage to really reimagine the society and the world that we live in? Mm. Yeah, let's get into it. So, what about what about you, Dale? Like, where? what's sort of been your journey through this? whole conversation. Like how did you start as we you know, we began here. Like what's what's challenged you? Have you has your mind changed on anything? Are you sort of thinking deeper about some stuff?
1: Yeah. I think I think starting off with Chloe about changing the way we, we engage with politics. It was a good it was a good one to start with because I think it was very relevant, particularly with uh during the lockdown. Everyone was <laughs> of course all eyes was on the government and decision making and different parties and everything. I mean it got me thinking a lot about about getting involved more myself and to think about things a bit more deeply than I have been in the past. And that led well into every, everything else, you know. Like, I feel like each topic kind of flowed into each other. I, I know that wasn't really intentional, or was it? Did you plan that?
0: Let's just pretend I'm a mastermind. We'll go. Yeah, let's pretend you're a mastermind.
1: <laughs> but no, I think each, yeah, I think each thing, you know, flowed. And you had your tiniest topic of World Without Prisons and then um, peed on the Addiction. And then Chris on the justice reform, each one worked really well with each other. And then Jackie talking about the inequity, Jay about the treaty, and then Ricardo about our current welfare system. Like Everything really worked well and kind of helped me build a little bit of a picture and reflect on the previous ones. Like Each, each new topic just felt very relevant to the previous topics we had, which I thought was really good and I enjoyed.
0: Mm. What, what was the biggest challenge for you, man, out of this whole conversation?
1: Oh, that's really hard to finger on it actually. I feel like with each <laughs> each and every or nearly each and every one, there was times where I was just going around in circles with myself all the time, uh, looking at you know both sides of of the argument, even now, just getting my head straight because they're, they're a challenge you know, like thinking about uh the way we do do justice now and how we can change that. I mean I can see the value in and looking at changing it but i can see the difficulties in it as well you know same with i guess looking at with inequity at the moment it's like yeah you can you can put a finger on it you can look at it you can see it but how do you change it how do you present an effective solution that it isn't going to cause more problems in its own you know what i mean same with transforming the current welfare system you can definitely see that it can be improved what's the best way to improve it what are the solutions out there that are going to definitely help those who are who need it the most? Uh, those who are vulnerable, but also oh, try and get as close as you can to a system That I mean, you're never not going to get, never going to have one that's not going to be exploited, <laughs> but in a way that really works for everyone that is fair. Yeah, each topic was just challenge. It was challenging. Mm. Mm. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said there's there's so much for us to sort of like think through and wrestle with. I think, yeah, yeah, as we were thinking around, like what Chloe was saying around, you know, if we don't like the status quo, we've got to recognize we've got the power to change it. And that's something that's stuck with me as we've sort of gone through these conversations. And I think something that's sort of, and I guess I come from a bit of a like a different space in there with what, the work that I do and what I see every day, like I'm I'm pretty convinced that radical social transformation needs to happen. But I think also recognizing that it it will take courage, you know, like that, you know, as we went through all these conversations, all these different topics, like like you said, man, it's huge. Like there's a huge amount of mahi that has to be done. And it's easy that it can feel really overwhelming. I know that I am constantly feeling overwhelmed by the weight of what's going on for people in this world. And sometimes, you know, I wake up and I'm just like, oh, this is so heavy, you know, like, Mm -hmm there's so much that needs to change and people are suffering really like and truly suffering and and it's really hard you know like I had a couple of young women like teenagers walk into my office today and they're on the street last night probably going to be on the street tonight if they hadn't have got a hold of us that's the reality for so many people that they're they're not safe and they're not living in They're not looked after, and and it doesn't have to be this way. And that's the thing that I just keep coming back to. It just doesn't have to be this way. Don't have to have a country and a society where people are struggling to eat, where people don't know where they're sleeping tonight, that where they're staying isn't safe. We can change that, but you're right. It's going to take a lot of courage, and it's not overnight stuff. It's not easy. It's not sort of like if we just clicked our fingers, it'll happen. there's a lot of work that has to be done. But I think reflecting on Chloe's all, it was like, actually, if we come together as a people, you know, if we get united on some core cool things, we can make the change that's necessary.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you think overall, just I mean globally, but particularly in New Zealand, things are getting better. We're getting better off overall, you know, through the years. I mean, obviously there's going to be gaps where people do fall through the cracks, but... I don't know, do you think it's that New Zealand is attempting to close those
0: gaps, it's just that it's it's slow? There's change happening, uh, yeah, definitely. There's people that are working friggin' hard, you know, every day to make change in this country, in this world. Is it happening fast enough? No. Like, what I see anyway is that there's definitely, like, even elements in the government that want to make change. There's people in the community that can see the changes that are needed to be made, there's you know, there's, there's a pathway ahead that we can take if we want it. However, I'm not convinced that Aotearoa New Zealand, that we actually do want it. That actually there's enough support to make the necessary changes that, in, that we need, right? And, I, I, and the evidence to that is, for me, is how slow things like the welfare system are taking to be reformed. Things like the justice system are taking to be reformed. Um, housing and homelessness like how long that's actually taking you know where there's actually really clear steps that need to be taken and there's experts that have done the research and done the study and put those down you've got a government that have said hey we're really committed to this before they came into election but couldn't get the support to get this stuff over the line and so like personally i don't think it's and i was thinking about this this morning actually i i don't necessarily think it's a it's a government issue yes the government is got some responsibility, but I think we actually get the government that we deserve as people. And that actually probably what ends up happening is more reflective of the majority than maybe we sometimes give it credit for. Mm. Like I th- I think if the majority of people were really like, yeah, we really support radical welfare transformation, it would happen. If the majority of New Zealanders said, yeah, we really support an overhaul of the justice system, whatever that'll look like, and we want experts to be working on it. And we want to make sure that You know, we're looking at the research and we're doing something about it. You know, I think it would happen. If we were like, yeah, we actually really want to end homelessness in Aotearoa, New Zealand, we want to make sure we throw the right resource at it and we get the best minds in the room to sort it out, that would happen really quick. I don't think the political will is there to take on some of these massive challenges in the way they need to be addressed.
1: Hmm. Is it wrong to feel like the government's responsible for making that change? and for leading these changes i mean i know i know what you mean and like like you're saying it's it's they're a reflection of us right yeah they're a reflection of our values and and what we want but yeah i I mean i I don't
0: yeah yeah. i don't think it's wrong to think that at all i just think the reality is that it's the people that push the change rather than you know like the other way around yeah like i think i definitely think this this government they, they have if you see the way that they're able to unite people and have over COVID, even with everything else going on, just under especially our Prime Minister, she's got an amazing gift of being able to unite people and show a vision and, and sort of say, this is the direction we're walking in and get people behind it. Imagine if you used th- that skill set to galvanize people to address poverty, to address hmm. justice. To, you know, like, I think that certain things were campaigned on in this government before they came in that you know maybe they've backed down on because they didn't get the numbers in the end. And yeah, so it's it's sort of those two things. Yeah, I I would really love to see a government that just comes in and, and makes change based on the values that they have, but at the same time we're an MMP system and I think we do end up, you know, as a people, if we don't want these changes to happen, they won't happen. And so that's where our voice is, and that's sort of what Chloe was saying a lot, is that your voice matters. And so it's not just about putting in a vote. You've got to get behind that vote. You know, you've got to start Letting, making a noise around the issues that you're passionate about. Pushing that agenda, if, if you believe it needs to happen, you know, like, and there's a whole lot of different ways you can do that in our parliamentary system, you know. It's about, you can submit bills, you can go to just a select committee, sorry, select committees, you can, you know, write to your MPs to let them know which way you lean and what you'd like them to support. It's more than just voting. And I think sometimes um, people say democracy is broken, Someone else might say we haven't tried it yet, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> our democratic system put, could potentially work really well, but we've got such a defeatist attitude when it comes to anything politics. And this is everyone, left, right, centre, my perspective anyway. Like What, what I seem to see a lot is people giving up their autonomy and saying, oh, the government never listens to me. Oh, the government's against me. Oh, you know, politicians, they never listen. Well. Have you tried to use the channels that are available to you? Have you tr- have you got passionate about actually campaigning on the issues that matter to you? It's easy to say no one listens to you if you're not actually using your voice. And that's, I think, there are channels that you can use to, you know, levers within council, government, um, that you can use to have your voice heard. Are you using those channels?
1: Hmm. Well, I guess that's sort of the tough thing by having two parties which are they're the main parties mm. that you really vote for. It means they, they have to like have a bigger, this is a term, I, coin, I think I heard someone say this, have a bigger tent, you know, something mm. they've got to encompass all these certain values which are on, I guess, a certain, I guess not, we don't have that bad in New Zealand as in like the
0: States or something, but. Mm. I mean, I guess it comes back to like, again, those parties will push what we care about, right? And the justice example is just such a good one because every side of the spectrum are cautious around how they engage in that space, right? And whenever the election comes out, what are the promises we always get? We're gonna get tougher on law and order and we're going to get more police officers. And that's the thing that we use to drag votes. Well, that stuff gets pushed in. So a great example is the first responders bill, um, which we've spoken about before in previous episodes, which basically, as a mandatory sentence if you you know harm a first responder well without going all into that it's it's a it's basically a bill that's not going to keep anyone safer it's going to make no change but it's in there because people like it people like that sort of policy they like that sort of approach to justice now if it wasn't there then governments would not or politicians would not introduce those sort of bills and so this is where it comes back to what i think is that it's us it's the people that need to change if we as a people had a reorientation of our values. If we were able to highlight actually what we care about and we push that politicians will respond to that. They want your vote. They want to be in power. So you've got to show them what will keep them in power.
1: Um, yeah, but We have such a like diverse range of values. You know what I mean? Like
0: well, yeah. there's,
1: there's first responders who of course are behind that bill. And there's those who aren't.
0: Um, yeah. But, but that, I mean, without getting bogged into that, like, Yes, there are, but you're looking at the the, the key for that bill is it's a bill that's been introduced to appease the punitive sort of values around, okay, justice is about punishing people. You can support that bill, but you've got to acknowledge that it's not going to help anyone, and you can unpack that, but I don't think we want to do that in this episode, but my point rather is that these punitive revenge-based bills that get chucked out, they come out but they, they aren't going to impact change. If you talk to people that are actually working on the front lines of, you know, justice and, you know, supporting people in the space, you know, we know that bills like that aren't going to change anything. All they're going to do is put more people in prison. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're not keeping anyone safe. You're not keeping first responders safe. And a politician whose job is to know these things must know, but have to say they must know that it's not going to work to make any change. But they do know what it will work for. Right, yep. your vote. Yep. So they put them in there. They introduce those bills. If it gets over the line, it doesn't matter. But they've wasted a whole bunch of time and energy in Parliament, and they've gotten your vote because you were the politician that stood up for law and order. So as and long as we they, keep, if the
1: bill gets passed, then it's even better.
0: Yeah, and so as long as we keep feeding, <laughs> we keep feeding that. You know, we keep saying, yeah, okay, we're going to support that. We need to actually send a message that. Hey, if you do believe that our justice system needs to be reformed, then make a noise when politicians introduce ridiculous bills that aren't gonna support it. Mm. Or you know, and that's with any topic, welfare or whatever, you name it. We we went on a bit of a rabbit war in there, didn't we?
1: No, but it is it is one of those things where I mean these are great things to talk about, in my opinion. You know, whether whether you agree or disagree, it's it's definitely worth the discussion. But I think A lot of people won't have the discussion because it's not, it doesn't affect them. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not impacting their day to day. And that's where the values come in.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's like all great injustices, which happen throughout history are sustained through our silence. They're sustained by the people who it doesn't affect. Slavery was upheld for 300, 400 years because a whole bunch of people that were never slaves didn't think that maybe we should, Get rid of this, didn't care enough to get to know the slaves who were living that and suffering because of it. Never heard their stories, never met their families. There's a whole bunch of rhetoric, both sides, left and right, and we just get so caught up in debating one another. But in, in the middle of all this, we've got people that are suffering, really struggling and doing it hard, and they don't care about your politics. They just want somewhere to sleep tonight and maybe something to eat tomorrow. Doesn't matter if it's three meals. Like, we've got to cut through. You know, I vote for this party, I vote for that. I'm left, I'm right, I'm liberal, I'm conservative. Who cares? At the end of the day, what is most important? And when I think about these issues, I always like to think, like, just imagine that. Well, let's, you know, we talk about this a lot. You know, like, something I've been thinking about a lot recently is I've been really getting into the work of, you know, we're trying to figure out how to end youth homelessness at the moment. We've got a bit of a campaign going at work we were in a meeting the other day and just heard some just horrendous stories and these are just everyday stories of where some teenagers have had to live and what they're going through and I just kept thinking about my little boy and like god forbid that something happened to me in the summer one day and you know something happened to our whanau and they weren't able to support him and he ended up needing to rely on our government to look after him the reality is right now He'd have to live on the, you know, he's, he's a teenager. He's got no supports around him. He'd have to live on the street. like. And if he was lucky to get emergency accommodation, he would be on a crusty old dangerous mattress somewhere with some real dangerous people living around him, and it'd be cold and damp, and he'd have to be lucky if he got some food that night. Is that what you want for your kids? Like, I don't want that sort of thing for my kids.
2: Hmm.
0: So these systems don't work, and it could it could be your whanau. It could be my whanau one day. You know, if nothing else is enough to make you think about those people that you don't know they think about the people you love and think about what would happen if they needed the support Mm -hmm. yeah some of the places bro that we have to put young people and breaks my heart um you know kid turns up a 16 year old in our office today and it's like i've got nowhere to go well and i'm thinking like where do we put this kid today maybe we get a motel maybe it's safe and you know maybe it's dry Maybe, you know, they're not going to get assaulted by the neighbour next door or abused by someone else. And this is just not okay. And that Mm. could be your niece or your nephew or your sister or your brother or your son or daughter one day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, particularly for a young boy.
0: And I guess this, for me, comes back to, like, things will not change. They'll never change until we stop accepting what's unacceptable. And for me, it's unacceptable that anyone in this country has to starve that they have to you know make decisions around whether they have to buy food or buy keep the roof over their head it's unacceptable that our children are growing up homeless you know we speak to kids all the time when was the first time that you were homeless so i've never had a home i've never unpacked my bag from anywhere i mistake but it's a common story it's not acceptable mm-hmm. we, we can change that but we got to move past our division we've got to move past left right whatever line you want to stand on just get over it Let's come together and figure out how do we make change for our people. Yeah.
1: In your opinion, you've seen some possibly effective solutions that have been shut down.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, shut down just not happening. And this is like, and this is where it's exhausting. You've got you've got people that you know in in, in the community that are working really, really hard to um, just to fight for people's human rights. And it's all just so slow, and that's exhausting. And you know, I see it with my colleagues every day. You know, we we get up in the morning and have to fight for the basic human rights of our people. That's exhausting, man. So you know, like, Imagine. and I guess that's what I come back to every day. Is it, it doesn't have to be this way.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that, they, that we can come up with like a list of human rights, but no ways of it, no way of ensuring that they happen. If you know what I mean, mm. and they're respected there's a way that they you know that everyone can i guess thrive you know Mm.
0: i think part of what we need to recognize is that the change that we need it will cost us you know it's not i think we tend to think that you know the sort of change that's necessary is just going to happen and you know it's not going to make you know like we're not going to have to to pay any price Mm. but but the, the issues that are happening in our country it's not just about starting a new charity it's not just about funding a new service. The real issue, the deeper issue, is that our communities are broken down. You know, I don't see homelessness as a problem. It's a solution. It's a solution for broken communities. Poverty is a solution. You know, it's it's something that we're allowing to happen. Now we need to get back to the roots of actually what's going on. What is causing these things to happen in our society? Why does homelessness exist? Why does poverty exist? Why does, you know, mental health and mental illness, you know what's going on in our communities that this is all happening and if we begin to actually peel that onion back i think we begin to realize that there's something broken in our communities there's something not working do we even have communities you know that's a good question in the west do we
1: Mm -hmm. i don't know so drawn in and yeah i don't feel like we do Mm -hmm. it's good enough like you know your community facebook page doesn't count
0: I um there's this this is old um, community center out on the shore that I used to go and pop into once in a while. And it had a sign on the wall that said, most people think they live in community when in reality they just live in proximity to it. Yeah. And I think that's one of our problems, eh? Like we all live close to each other, but we don't know each other. Would homelessness exist if you knew the kids in your street? And when things started to go, or in your community, you know, when things started to go rough, you're like, oh, it's all good, I'll look after you, it'd be cool. If you knew, you know, the families that were struggling in your neighborhood, and you were able to share your resources with them to make sure that they were okay, or just whether that be emotional or, you know, physical resources, whatever it was, you know, like if we actually looked out for one another. But how many people are slipping through the cracks where we could actually be supporting ourselves? And so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of work that needs to be done in the political space, but I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done with ourselves in the community space and rediscovering our collective identity, I guess.
1: I mean, you're seeing a lot of, like, breakdown or people leaving the church, right? Mm. And the the church is such a strong place for that kind of stuff. You know, I've seen a lot of cases where people have been in a bit of a rough situation, whether it be with a job or a place. You know they need a car to get to the job. To and someone will provide them with it. And someone will be like, oh yeah, I, I've got a company, we have got a job. You can come along, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's like a yeah. I mean, church was always a good place for that. I've seen a lot of churches around here just get to the point of they just don't exist really. They're building, there's like few people in there and just dying really.
0: Yeah, I think there's um, I think there's an opportunity like within the narrative of the church and the Christian tradition to. I guess create a framework for resistance against the world that we live in right now. You know, like uh, I think two big problems in our culture is this huge individualism and consumerism, right? Hmm. Basically, we're taught that humans are just individuals that are created solely unrelated to each other. So why would I care about my neighbor? Because it's about me and my future and my goals and my family and my house and my career and blah blah blah. And then on top of that, we we're taught to consume. We're taught that we're here to consume it for our needs, for our wants, for our desires. And so we do. We consume others. You know, we consume their time. Like, look at the entertainment industry. That's based on our consumption of other people. Mm. We are individual consumers. That's the narrative of the dominant Western culture. Now, if we look at, you know, the story of the church, the early church, it was in a world which was set up, like, completely opposed to the values that Jesus taught. When Jesus came, he brought this like reorientation of values again. These values that actually what's most important, like put everything else aside and it's love God and love your neighbor. And how do we love God? How do we love the divine? By loving one another. And the community that was born out of the ministry of Jesus and the the, the mission that Jesus came to achieve was this community that shut down the boundaries between them and us, that looked after the poor and the sick and, you know, looked after the widow, looked after those who were on the outskirts of society and cared for people regardless of what group they were. They, they called themselves the alternative, the alternative community, you know, like a community that was meant to be alternative to the empire around them and saw themselves as, you know, a foretaste of the kingdom of God, which was a divine dream for this world. And I think that's something that, you know, when we bring that story into today, the church can be an alternative society to a society which is totally just driven on consumerism and individualism like what would it mean for us to live as people if we actually put those values of you know neighbor love at the center of what we did and then started to reconstruct our communities in a way which put the value on human life at the center could we create societies where you know like the early church did where we eradicated poverty within our community where we cared for the sick when no one had to worry about being homeless or not being able to afford medical bills or, you know, like what would an alternative society within the heart of our society look like? Mm. A society like that could offer a critique to the system right now. Yeah. Ah, oh, i to think about. Mm. It's a big, this whole thing is huge, right? It's a, and, and like going back to, I think our first point at the beginning of this is that it's not, you know i guess like if you've been joining these conversations everyone's going to be in different spaces and some people might still be going around in those circles that dale was talking about at the beginning but i think it come back to like the core of what we believe here at when lambs are silent is that to listen is to love and that i think that's the place to start even if we disagree with pop person's politics or their perspective or whatever like trying to understand the stories that inform people's perspectives but also the real stories that relate to their experiences. When we listen to one another, we can encounter each other through our stories. And I know for me, like every change that has happened in my perspective and in my life and has led me to where I am today is by listening to the stories of those who are on the margins of our society and hearing their perspective from their own mouths, you know, what they're going through and what they're experiencing. And so, you know, I think that's probably the place to start. If you're still wrestling through all this stuff, it's just open your heart to others, really. Mm.
1: And again, my head's all over the place, <laughs> <laughs> it Settle, oh man,
0: that might be a good place to stop.
1: Me. Yeah, I think so.
0: And, uh, as we always say, coffee's cold, and uh... <laughs> coffee
1: is well gone. <laughs> yeah, that's one
0: is actually. Actually, freezing like I can't, it's like it's been in the fridge. Like, yeah, this is a really cold night. Eh? I can't believe that it's kind of gross. <laughs> and it was a good bean, too. I just ground it, you know, Lafare free. Oh, uh, shout no, out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, my favorite oh, I think,
1: I'm out of lockdown. Yeah, you'd have been getting me my little, what do they call it, boiler thing,
0: mm, stovetop
1: brewer, brewer, stovetop brewer yeah. thing, and get my beans and everything.
0: You doing the
1: grinding? I'm my corner,
0: Yeah. Are you grinding your beans yourself?
1: No, I'm on my <laughs> Oh, what? Yeah, oh, that's. Insane, I man. am
0: so disappointed. Yeah,
1: I still haven't been over to get my thing yet.
0: I'm actually disgusted. I can't believe.
1: That's that's all right. It's like. <sighs> it's you just save the
0: stuff. money. There's like dirt outside. Mix it with some hot water.
1: Just quit coffee. That's Doesn't,
0: much, get, not even doesn't coffee, get much really. better than that. No. You know
1: You know what? You know what? You know what? what if you know like how crap it is uh, just just instant coffee in general when you have it with like something that's not milk not dairy like i always have it with milk right but jenny's do you been have having it with? soy huh? Oh, so with, soy. With, well not not coffee with soy but she's been having, like soy and a tea or something um or even with almond milk. anything you try it do it with instant coffee man no it is a sight sight to behold it like does this weird I'm, curdle thing, and it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It's like coffee vomit in a mug. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: need to stop. That is uh, just disgusting. Yeah. No, no, just, no. you need to get yourself a grinder, beer. stovetop. Right now, my bean is Lafare Primo Blend. That's really yeah. good. Getting it straight from the roastery in the New Parker. It's a shout out to the team out there. Maybe they'll give me free coffee now.
1: Yeah, maybe. maybe. My auntie would be so disappointed in me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm disappointed in you if that's not enough, and I'm sure everyone <laughs> is disappointed in you. Right um, ah, yeah. oh, this might end the podcast now. I don't know if we can. See what it is anywhere.
1: up with this elitism? Oh my goodness! Yeah, get out of here. Not everyone can, you know, is is is
0: okay. up as you know. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go, and um, I'm gonna really try to save Dale's soul from this disgusting coffee he's drinking. But, <laughs> Hey, thanks for joining us, guys. And we'll be back when we're back with a new series. We'll be yeah. back.
1: Catch you around.
0: podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you are listening and join the conversation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. The music from this podcast is from the album Dissonance by Jess Jackson and Leon Shelley. Listen to more from these artists on Spotify.